we finished up a series called uh, What Can I Bring? And we were talking about the idea that you're going to be invited to a bunch of parties uh, over uh, Christmas or maybe it's for work or your family or whatever. And so we talked about uh, what can you bring to those uh, parties. We talked about empathy. We talked about forgiveness. Uh, we talked about joy. Uh, and, um, and so we were talking about this idea that you can bring those things. And so next week, we kick off our Christmas series. So uh, we have what I call in the business a one-off Sunday, which means uh, there's no series or anything. It's just a uh, sermon that kind of tees up the next, uh, the next Christmas series. And the question I have is for Christmas, are you decorating or are you preparing? <laughs> and there's a big... Uh, difference. Are you decorating for Christmas or are you preparing to celebrate the birth of your Savior, Jesus? And so we're going to be talking uh, this morning um, about a very famous section of Scripture. And uh, one of the characters in the section of Scripture gets a really bad rap. And then the other one, it's like they're two sisters, right? And so um, one of them gets a bad rap and is like the one that's really intense and uh, doesn't love Jesus as much as the other one, right? And so if you guys know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Martha and Mary. And Mary's always the one that gets all the credit for loving Jesus. And Martha is always the one that's just kind of uh, in a bad mood all the time. As a matter of fact, there's a book out. If you go to Amazon and you look up Martha and Mary, there's tons of books out on them, and Martha never gets her due. And uh, there's one called uh, Being Mary in a Martha World, which is so cold to Martha, right? I mean, she's just, she's just trying to do so. So we're going to look at both characters, and we're going to look at them through the lens of us preparing for Jesus' birth on Christmas. And uh, oftentimes, if you're like me, and uh, I, I came from a, a home, a kind of a chaotic home when I was very little, and Christmas was not um, a really great time for me. Uh, and so, um, and then my, my, this was prior to my dad coming to Christ, and once he came to Christ, Christmas took on a whole new uh, thing. But I can still go back to those days prior to him uh, coming to Christ, and Christmas was uh, a bummer, right? And so some of you, Christmas is the best time in the world. You started decorating like in September, and, uh, and your spouse was up in the attic pulling everything down, and, uh, and so you were, you were all set to go. Uh, just a real quick show of hands, who, <laughs> who has all their Christmas shopping done? Nice, nice, right? Because you're only buying for one person. Yeah, I get it. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Who will wait? Who will wait till the very end? Yeah, I, I will. I'll wait, I'll wait to the very end. I'll wait to the very end. Well, we're going to look at, at, at two different characters in the Bible, and hopefully you'll get some insights out of this story that will help you as you look forward to uh, being with Jesus. And I'm, I'm really hoping this morning, it's a very simple concept, but I'm really hoping that you will uh, go before your Heavenly Father and grab some ideas on how you can be prepared for uh, Jesus uh, the celebration of Jesus's um, birthday. So thank you, Mark, for having the glasses in the little cubby. Let me tell you something, you guys. Stuff happens behind the scenes here. You'll never know. But we got some of the best people working here. It's um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. If we could just get a good pastor, we'd be all set. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. So, so here, geez. Did somebody say amen? Okay. <laughs> Ushers, 
fourth row. Bald, bald guy. Yeah, go after him. Yeah, okay. All right. I can say that because I'm, I'm bald. Okay. All right, so here we, here we go. For those of you who are new this morning, this is pretty much it. This is who we are, okay? So there's nothing. So I'm sorry. I apologize. So Jesus, uh, I, I, I want to just mention something real quick, because as you approach the Bible, it's really important to uh, not just pull things out and, and, and read them as these different stories. Luke uh, says in the beginning of his gospel that he's made careful inquiry and that he uh, uh, has gone through, he'd, he'd written this letter to a, a person and was trying to go through, trying to figure out, because this was written much after Jesus died, like what were the actual events? And this particular event comes after, and this is going to be important, I'll show you why in a little bit, it comes after the parable of the Good Samaritan. So for those of you who might be new to the Bible, uh, a, 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 a person from the um, religious community came up to Jesus and said, who's my neighbor, right? So he said, you know, uh, what, what are the two most important commands? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy says, he wants to justify himself. He says, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story about a Jew. It's a, it's a parable, so it's a fake story that he made up. Uh, a Jew going from Jericho to Jerusalem gets uh, caught by robbers, is left for dead. A priest walks by him, a Levite walks by him, and then a Samaritan, which would be like, you know, I've said it before, but it would be like a Raider fan who uh, like helps this guy, like someone you would never expect, helps this guy. And then, um, and, and so that's kind of where you leave Luke, and then it goes right into this story. So and, and, and I'll tell you why I think that is in just a, in just a minute. But here's, here's the story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, so they're, they're, they're just, they're jamming along. He came to a village, uh, we know that village now is Bethany, we'll see it later on, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, cultural context, the fact that it's a woman and the scripture says it's her home, uh, normally it would be the man's home, so it means she's either a widow or she's very uh, successful, and she's the matriarch, and it's her home, <laughs> you know, and so uh, this is really interesting. As you, a good student of the Bible, you would pick up on that and go, wow, here's this woman who is in a place of prominence, in a place of leadership uh, of the house, and the more we find out about uh, Martha, uh, the more we realize that she's a really amazing woman, like, she doesn't hold anything back. Uh, she's super organized. Like, she, she's a powerful woman. She's a very strong woman. And so uh, uh, there's a woman named Martha, and she opens her home to him. Now, the other thing that's amazing to me is at this point, Jesus is somewhat of a rebel uh, as far as the people in power are concerned, as far as the religious leaders are concerned. Uh, they're challenging him. They're questioning him. They're telling people, like, ah, he, he just eats with sinners and outcasts. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to trick him. They're trying to trap him. They're, they're, he's healing on the Sabbath, which is um, amazing to me that they would... I mean, a miracle happens, and they're just like, it's the Sabbath. Like, okay. So, like, he's doing all these different things. And Martha feels comfortable not only having him in her house, but 12 other dudes. Okay? So this, this, this group of men, like, the, like men, come into her house, and she's like, no sweat. Right? She opens her home to them. So she takes risks. She, I, I, I just, I'm just amazed by Martha. There's another story later on. 
where Martha's uh, brother Lazarus, di Lazarus dies and Jesus raised him from the dead. Read your Bible. It's an amazing story. It's awesome. But that's what she does. She opens her home to him. And then she has a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, we don't know if he's teaching at this time. We don't know if he's just going... Whew, the traffic on, you know, I don't, we don't know what he's saying, but she's there listening to him. He might even be telling the story about, oh, man, this Pharisee tried to trap me, and uh, they tried to trick me into who's my neighbor, and I told him this story about the Good Samaritan, and they, he could have told the story again to, to Mary, going, well, what, what, what is it about, you know, and he's like, it's about who's my neighbor, but she's there, she's at his feet, and this is where we kind of get this idea, like Martha's uh, basically, uh, in administration and Mary's in sales. Like it's like it's like these two personalities, right? And so here she is. Now, we get to verse forty, and it says something extremely interesting. It says this: "But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made." Now, the reason I put these in italics is because uh, these are two fascinating Greek words that Luke chose to use. We translate them, and it's a fine translation, distracted and preparations, but it's an odd translation. Distracted, this word distracted, is not used anywhere else in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, it's only used in Greek literature, and the reason I know that is because ChatGPT told me. Uh, but, but it's just used in normal Greek literature. And it's, it's, a, it's a different word. It, it isn't just distracted. You know, if you're at, uh, if I go out to dinner with Lisa, um, I make it a point, if it's football season, that if we go to a place that has a football game on, I'll sit in the chair that doesn't look at the TV because I know I'll be distracted, right? And you, there, that's one type of distraction. You know, things are just happening. It's chaotic. So we have that type of distraction. We have another type of distraction where maybe you're mentally distracted. Maybe you're going through a rough spot in a relationship, and so you're talking to someone, and they're talking, and your mind is on that other thing. Maybe you're going through some financial uh, problems. I don't know if you've ever gone through financial issues. I have, and they can be overwhelming, where you just, everywhere you go, every price you see, every, it's just like, ah, oh, it's just this heavy weight. There's that type of distraction. But that's not what this Greek word is. This Greek word literally means to drag around. It means to drag around. I had a, uh, I have this little dog, and uh, when I take him for a walk, uh, he has one of these retractable leashes. You know what I'm talking about, where you like kind of let him run out. and you get, It's not good training. You're not supposed to do that with a dog. You're supposed to like have the dog trained. I've never been able to train a dog. They're all smarter than me. Every time I try, they uh, end up running away. So, uh, so I just have this retractable leash. Well, one time, I, I dropped it on accident. I was probably scrolling through Instagram. And I dropped it, and it started to retract. And that dog... <laughs> I've never seen the dog run as fast. But the thing is, it's never leaving him. So he's just flying, and this thing is just, and he keeps looking back like, what is this thing? You know, and he's just humming. And then he'd turn, and the thing would come whipping around. And so finally, the only reason I could catch him was it got caught up in some bushes, and he was going, he was dragging that thing around, okay? 
He was distracted. That's the only thing he could think about at the time. He wasn't thinking about anything else but this demon leash that is coming after him to kill him. That's it. He was, he was sure it was going to get. Even that example doesn't do this word justice. Martha was distracted. It, it's, it's almost to drag a heavy load. And for some of us, when it comes to Christmas time, when it comes to this type of thing and parties and everything, and maybe even right now, you are just dragging this thing. It might be expectations for Christmas. You had expectations that everyone was going to come over or that you would be invited or whatever. And now you're, distract you're just dragging this thing around. Maybe it's a death. Maybe this is the first Christmas where you're without a loved one. Maybe it's a marriage that's failing. And you're just, it just feels like you're just dragging it around. Maybe it is your finances. And this Christmas is a reminder that you can't afford what you would like to do for the kids or what you'd like to do for your grandkids. This is the distraction. Something, Mary was dragging something around. And so she was distracted. Like I said, this is the word here, perispeo. And it's to drag all around. So she's just dragging. And then the second word in here is uh, the idea of preparations, right? So she's, she's distracted or she's dragging. Something, something's weighing her down. She can't focus on Jesus, which is what she's supposed to be focusing on. Even in the preparations, she lost sight that this is for Jesus, Right? Even in our decorating and our preparations for Christmas, we forget this is all about Jesus. We're celebrating the birth of our Savior. But then there's this other word that for some reason they translated it preparations. By all the preparations that had to be made. Every single place in the scripture where this word is used, it's translated ministry. It's, it's, it's that she was... She was distracted. She's dragging around all these things and, 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 and with all the ministry that has to be, the service that has to take place. And it's just amazing to me or beautiful to me that what Martha was actually doing was not busy work. It was ministry. But because she was dragging these things around, she was missing what she needed to see. And I think about my own life, and I think about Christmas time, and I think about just different places, and I'm just going to be 100% honest with you as a pastor, okay? When I, as a minister of the gospel, take my eyes off of my Savior, and I start dragging around some of the things about ministry that isn't focused on Jesus, that's when I run into trouble. <laughs> that's when I run into trouble. So the property, right? So uh, we have a property here. And when things start going wrong with the property, I start dragging it around. And I'm like, I lose sight of, of Jesus. If there's something with our finances or givings down or whatever, and it's just like you just, you get, you get, so if there's, if, if, if some of the sheep are going through really, really difficult trauma, and I lose sight of Jesus, I'll, I'll drag it around. And, but I'm no different than you. You might feel this way too with your family. One of your adult children, they start acting the fool. And you're just like, oh, 
I can't, I can't think about anything else but this. Finances, whatever it is, a relationship, maybe losing a job, whatever. We lose sight of our Heavenly Father. We lose sight of Jesus as our Savior. So this preparations is, is ministry. I'll, I'll give you just a few uh, ways in which uh, to get some context of how this word is typically translated. It says this, all this is from 2 Corinthians, all this is from God who reconciled us uh, to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the same word that we use uh, for Martha in her preparations. She was ministering to Jesus, but because she had to drag around expectations, focusing on her sister, focusing on what needed to be done, she, she missed the mark, this ministry of reconciliation. In Acts, we have this thing where Literally, the apostles or the disciples were like, we can't do the serving kind of ministry, the food distribution kind of ministry. We got to focus on another ministry. Watch what he, what he says. We will turn this responsibility over to them. So there were some um, widows that were, were being served, and, and, the, and the disciples were doing all the serving. <laughs> and they're like, we can't do that. We got we to do this ministry of the word. We're going we're gonna to focus on prayer and the ministry of the word. Same Greek word that Martha uses. Ephesians says it this way. We'll do two more verses. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, works of ministry. This is all in a ministry context. My job up here is not to teach you the Bible. It's to prepare you for works of ministry. It's so that you leave here going, oh, man, I love the word of God. I love the people of God. I, I, want, I want to do better. I want to follow Jesus to the best of my ability. I want to become more like him so that the body, uh, the body of Christ might be built up. Finally, uh, lastly, in uh, Luke, uh, he says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him uh, with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Same word. What Martha was doing was ministry to Jesus. It was important. For, for some of you, if you feel like, man, you know, I'm just, I don't know the Bible as well as somebody. I don't know this. I'm not, I can't pray. You know, somebody was up here praying and it seemed like they knew exactly the words to say. I don't know the words to say. Did you know that just in your preparing meals, just in your changing diapers, just in your uh, uh, picking up the house, vacuuming, taking care of a loved one or whatever, that is ministry if our focus is on Jesus. Remember last week we talked about it. We said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's all ministry. It's all preparation. There's not one that's above another one. What I do up here as a, as a pastor is no different than when you're serving a neighbor. It's all ministry. So, so she's distracted. She's carrying this thing around, whatever it is. This, she's dragging around her expectations. She's dragging around uh, some injustice that she's feeling or whatever by all the ministry, all the preparations that have to be made. So she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Now we start to see a little bit of like, oh, I don't... Your ministry's probably not being done in the best heart, but I'm going to let Martha off the hook because I like Martha more because she's more like me. Um, and I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her off the hook because it's just a question. 
Like, maybe she just wants to know the answer. Like, hey, do you care? Don't you care? I mean, it's up to you, Jesus, whatever you want. I'm just doing the stuff all by myself, you know. I don't know if you care or not. It's just a question, okay? And so, so we'll let Martha off the hook because I, I have questions for Jesus. I don't want him, like, you know, yelling at me or anything. And, uh, but then she goes one step further, and this is how I know she was dragging stuff around. Not just because the Bible used that Greek word, or Luke used that Greek word. It's because of this next statement. Tell her to help me. I don't have an excuse for this one, Martha. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. But I know exactly how she feels. And maybe you do too, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, I've never felt that, and I can't believe that the pastor does. I'm leaving, and I'm never coming back. I get that. But I've been here before with my expectations. I've been here before with people that have let me down, where I'm just like, Jesus, can you, I've talked to them already. Can you talk to them? Now, I don't know their family dynamic. Mary might, this might be how Mary gets out of everything. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But this is where she's at. Jesus, tell her to do it. Tell her to help me. I can't do this on my own. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're serving for Jesus, if that's your focus, if I'm decorating my house for Christmas because I'm expecting to celebrate the birth of my Savior, would any of that stuff bother me? No. You'd just be like, hey, Mary's doing her thing. I'm doing my thing. This is all for Jesus and the disciples. I'm excited to have him here, and here we go. Now, I wonder if there's some areas in your life that you can think about where in the coming weeks, you might just pay attention. Are you dragging something around? And then how does it manifest itself? Does it manifest itself in little short statements to your spouse or to your loved one or whatever? Does it manifest itself in a little passive aggressiveness? That's an indication that my ministry or your ministry to Jesus isn't really focused on Jesus. It's focused on your surroundings. Are you disappointed that one family member isn't doing this or is doing that or whatever it is? There's, it's an indication. It's a revelation that I wonder where my heart is. So she says, tell her to help me. And here's, here's what Jesus says. Jesus is so cool. He says, uh, Martha, Martha, right? If Jesus says your name twice, uh, you're kind of in trouble, okay? So if you hear your name twice from Jesus, that's a good, good luck with that. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You know what he says? He doesn't say, how dare you tell me what to do? Do you know I created you, Martha, and the entire universe, and you're telling me to tell Mary what to do? Martha, calm down. What are you doing? Stop it. Martha, how, how dare you? What, what are you, aren't you, why aren't you, why don't you minister with a happy heart? No, no, no. He goes right to the thing. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. You're worried and upset about many things. Is that you right now? Do you know that your Heavenly Father uh, knows that? And He doesn't look on you with condemnation like, really, you're still worried about that? What kind of... He says, hey, hey, hey. 
Jim, Jim, you're worried about so many things. Think about that. How do you process those things? If in fact we're ministering to our Savior Jesus, if in fact I'm spending the rest of my life following him and the rest of eternity with him, what could possibly bother me to the extent where I have to start going after my brother or sister or family member or what is it? What's going on? So that's what he says. He says, the Lord, you're upset. You're worried and upset about many things. He says, but few things are needed. And then, I don't know if he scratches his head or he, this is his way of building up. But he says, he says, few things are needed or indeed only one. One thing. One thing is needed. And that is devotion to your Lord and Savior. Attention to your Lord and Savior. Observing what's going on inside of me and then looking out and going, okay, Jesus, how would you have me handle this situation? How would you have me handle? Why, why am I so upset about this? Why, am I, why, why does Mary drive me crazy? Why does this drive me nuts? What is going on? And here's the th sweet thing about Jesus. He will answer the question. He will answer the question. See, Martha asks the question, but then goes into a statement. Right? She says, hey, don't you care that I'm doing all this stuff? You know, to help? I mean, don't, you, don't you care? It's a valid question. But then she goes into the solution. Tell her to help me. Well, Jesus might have a totally different solution for you this Christmas than what you think. He might just be saying, look, it's time for you to rethink this. And so he says, indeed, only one. And then Mary has chosen what is better, and this is so sweet, because this, is, this gives us agency this Christmas. As you go into the next few weeks, and you're struggling with something, or you, you're in a thing where you're worried, you're anxious, you're worried about many things, you're dragging around your expectations, you're dragging around some, some bad relationships, you have a choice. You have a choice this Christmas to focus on Jesus. The stress of the, of the holidays can be so stressful. And you might have someone coming over, maybe it's a family member, and they make more money than you, and that's all they want to talk about is, well, how come you haven't done this? Or you might have a, a, a parent that has never validated you when you have something. The food's never good enough. The house is never clean enough. Your husband's never attractive enough. It's just, just this thing, and you're just like, you know what? This Christmas, I'm making a choice. I'm making a choice. My eyes, my attention, my focus, my heart is going to be aligned with my king, Jesus. That we celebrate the birth of our Savior, and that's where I'm going to focus my attention. Let me show you some ways this, this word chosen is used because God has a choice too. And check this out. God has chosen the foolish things. Same Greek word. Oops, it didn't come up. Uh, Oh, there we go. Uh, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. It's an upside-down kingdom of God. I love it. I love it. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. God has chosen these things. Of course it's not going to be fair or measure up 
or be anything because it's the kingdom of God. He chooses the weak things. He chooses you and I. And so the way we're judged at Christmas, the way we're looked at and how we're thought of has nothing to do with the fact that your heavenly father chose you. And your savior says, choose me. And Mary had a choice. She said, Mary has chosen to do this. She could be doing a lot of other things. But she chose to do this. And it will not be taken away from her. Uh, Jesus says it, said it this way just a couple chapters before. He's talking about uh, uh, th- this, this um, farmer and the farmer sowing all these seeds, right? And watch what he says. I mean, this is, this is almost exactly like uh, he says to, um, to Mary, the seed which fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's what? Worries, riches, and pleasures, right? And they don't mature. They don't mature. They're just thinking about the now. They're thinking about what's happening now instead of choosing to have a life focused on Jesus. One of the reasons why I brought up the the Good Samaritan is because I love the way it's placed in this story because the Good Samaritan, if you read it, you would just say, oh, just do good things. And that's, that's the neighbor. That's what the Good Samaritan did. He, he bandaged up the wounds. He put the guy on his own donkey. He brought him to the thing. Just do good stuff. And then immediately after that, he kind of, that, that story of Martha kind of says, that's part of it. But the heart issue, the focus issue, is more important than that. And so he says, they do not mature, right? And he says, do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink or having 12 men over, (laughs) 13 men over and trying to figure everything out. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all these things. Your heavenly father knows about them. But seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. It's almost like Jesus was saying, Martha, The ministry you're doing is good, but you're not seeking the kingdom. You're too worried about the actions of ministry instead of the heart of seeking after me. So so we we, we bash on Martha, and and we we think Mary Mary is all great. But I want to read another story with Martha and Mary. So in between these two stories, their brother dies, okay? And Jesus comes late. They wanted Jesus to come early and heal him, but Jesus came two days late, and he'd already, already been buried, okay? So he was buried for four days. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite verses is in the King James version of the Bible, and uh, when they describe uh, uh, Jesus rolling the stone away to get to Lazarus, someone says, by now he stinketh. <laughs> That's the King James version. Favorite verse in the Bible, he stinketh, right? Okay, if any of you have teenage boys, they stinketh, okay? So that's, you can use that verse when you're raising your boys, okay? Uh, 
So, so we have that situation. And then again, Martha's very strong with Jesus at that, at that time. I got like almost blaming him. Like, hey, if you had come, my, my brother wouldn't be dead. And so they have this, right? And then Ma Mary, of course, annoyingly comes and worships at Jesus' feet. She's always at Jesus' feet, right? And so, um, so we get to this story in John. This is much later. This is six days before Jesus is going uh, to die. And you could just read through this and, and be fine. But I found this so amazing. Listen to this. Here, so Jesus stops again in Bethany. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Now watch this picture that John paints. It's beautiful. Martha served. It's the same Greek word. Martha ministered, okay? While Lazarus was among them reclined at the table, he was the one that was raised from the dead. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And Martha didn't say a word. She did her ministry. And Mary did her ministry. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. As the worship band comes back up. It's almost like Martha just kind of said, you know what? I'm just going to serve Jesus and not worry about who else is doing what and what else is doing, you know. So Mary basically waste his perfume. Martha doesn't care. Judas does, by the way. Well, you can read your Bible and get that uh, uh, story later. But Martha doesn't care. She's just serving. She's come a long way. That's, this is the picture of how I hope we begin to prep for how we're going to experience the Christmas season. That we just do what we're supposed to do with our eyes focused on Jesus, knowing that he is the author and perfecter of our faith, faith that he loves us. We're going to uh, end with a, one more worship song. And uh, as, uh, as the worship band plays, we, uh, we kind of open up the, the stage here. And uh, sometimes people will just come up and kneel. And maybe, maybe what you want to do if you, if you want to kneel, I, when I get done preaching, I like to just turn, turn in and, and kneel here to kind of reset my week. And so you can come on up and nobody cares. And, um, but maybe, maybe you're dragging around something, you know, you're dragging around a broken relationship, you're dragging around the weight of your finances, you're dragging around, you just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to drag that up here and I'm going to leave it here. And, uh, maybe for you, uh, you know of an event that's coming up and you say, you know what, I'm going to be the second Martha, <laughs> the one who just serves. While other people are worshiping, while other people are doing whatever they're doing, I don't care. I'm doing this for Jesus. And you want to come up. And some of you all want to stay in your seat and pray there. That's fine. If there's something that's weighing on your heart and you want to have someone lay hands on you and pray with you at the cross, we can do that too. But we'll just uh, briefly, we'll end with this song. And, and you can pray while we're doing that. And then at the end, I'll come up and bless us. Lord Jesus. We just thank you for your goodness. Thank you that 
whether we're a Martha or a Mary or a combination of both, uh, you love us. You want our best. You can gently correct us. You can forcefully correct us because you are our king and you know us best and you know what's best for us. So we thank you for that. stand for the blessing. For those of you who signed up with Pizza with Pastor, it'll be in my office after church, so I just have to go get the pizza. Okay. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in His peace, and His strength, and His joy. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.